Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Ian Eagle on the NBA and the NFL, one of the great voices of each. On the basketball side, he is the voice of the Brooklyn Nets. On the football side, you hear him pretty much every weekend for CBS Sports and or Westwood One on the radio side. Ian Eagle later this hour. David Cutcliffe of Duke live in 60 minutes. We'll talk life, sports, football, his Blue Devils, and the upcoming rivalry game between Coach Cut's Devils and the down-the-road North Carolina Tar Heels of Mac Brown, who joined us on Monday's show. Steve Malik will give us an update from the soccer world. He has helped change the culture of that sport in our great state. Trying to bring an MLS franchise to Raleigh. Has his NWSL champion, North Carolina Courage, back in the title match this Sunday. And they actually get to host it this time right there at Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary, North Carolina. Ryan McGee of ESPN is going to join us on more college football. What is the biggest national story in that sport so far this season? As I laid out at the end of last hour, I think it's Joe Bur Burrow and LSU. When you start forecasting the best bets for the Final Four, none of us is surprised, or few if any. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma are four of the top five in the polls. And if they keep winning, they're going to stay four of the top five in the polls. The other, even though we knew they'd be good, and they'll be tested again this weekend, by the way, the LSU Tigers are number two in the polls. They host number nine Auburn. So that is one of your matchups, must-see TV, if you will. Interestingly, with week eight beginning tonight in the NFL, the 4-2 and two Panthers at the 6-0 and oh 49ers, that's one of your late games on Sunday, I think is one of the best games to watch in the NFL this week. I mean, Washington at Minnesota tonight is interesting more so because the Vikings are 5-2. and two. As always, they have a good defense under Mike Zimmer. Great, really. And for a change, Kirk Cousins is on a roll. So if the Vikings are good in both main phases, they're going to be a team to watch in the NFC. But the rest of the schedule on the pro side, I'll say the Sunday night football matchup is number one. We'll have to wait for another update on Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs MVP QB from last year. But you have Aaron Rodgers in the 6-1 and one Packers visiting Patrick Mahomes in the 5-2 and two Chiefs. There's your NFL headliner. After that game... I think the Panthers' trip to San Francisco, 4-2 and two at 6-0, and oh, is about as good as it gets. Chargers at Bears offers Phillip Rivers against an embattled Mitch Trubisky. Seattle's at, at Atlanta. That gives Pete Carroll a chance to drive a stake through the heart of his former defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, who's on the hot seat with the Falcons struggling at 1-6. Philly is at Buffalo. There's some other good games but Panthers at 49ers, Packers at Chiefs, the headliners there. On the college side, as we welcome Ryan McGee of ESPN, number nine Auburn at number two LSU. You've got number eight Notre Dame visiting number 19 Michigan, and you have number 13 Wisconsin visiting number three Ohio State. They're the only three matchups this week where you have top 25 head-to-head -head against a top 25 team. Penn State hasn't lost. They go to Michigan State. Clemson hosts Boston College. And around here, Duke at Carolina, one of those rivalry games. Ryan McGee, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I, almost, I just almost had a heart attack on a treadmill. So I'm getting ready for LSU because when I go down there, everything I eat in Baton Rouge, I almost have a heart attack then too. So We do not want to contribute to your demise in any way. So hopefully your break here on the David Glenn Show will get you back up and running in all the right ways. I described Joe Burrow's explosion and LSU's offense as the most important and biggest national story in college football 
so far this season, in part because we expected Alabama and Clemson and Oklahoma and Ohio State to be there, not as much the Tigers. What would be your answer to the what is the biggest national story in college football so far this year? Uh, that's it because um, I mean, listen, my you know I went to college, I went to Tennessee uh, a really long time ago, and then LSU had a quarterback named Tommy Hodson, and Tommy Hodson would hang about 400 yards passing on people. And they really, honestly, maybe Rohan Davey, they haven't had what I would call an elite quarterback since. And and the question over the last, I mean, 10 years has been, man, as great as LSU's defense always is and as big and strong as they always are personnel-wise, what would they actually be like if they could score points? And now, you know, that problem has been solved. And so, and plus, you know, what I love about Joe Burrow and, you know, Marty McGee, we, we have, we say he's the captain of our Marty McGee football team, <laughs> Joe football. And he just, you know, it's, it's the old, uh, I think I've said it to you before, it's the old Bull Durham line, right? You know, you can grow fungus on your shower shoes. If you win 20 games in the show, you know, you're quirky and a genius. If you, if you lose 20 games, then you're just a slob. And Joey football, he carries that whole cocky thing very well. And, uh, and I'm really, really curious, anxious to see him. I saw him against Texas at the beginning of the year, and now I'm curious to see him again at Auburn or against Auburn with you know, that crazy defensive front that Auburn has. But I'm with you. I mean, the, the question I was, what if LSU actually figure out how to score points? And they figure that out, and as a result, they might be the favorite in the Alabama game two weeks from now. Ryan McGee is joining us. Always check out his weekly bottom 10 rankings, entertaining in ways you might not expect if you haven't visited that before. Uh, that's at ESPN.com. Also catch him on Marty and McGee on the SEC Network, also ESPN Radio on Twitter. He is at ESPN McGee. A lot of college sports fans who are maybe more casual, as you know, Ryan, have attached some negativity to the word transfer. I mean, you know this story. Yeah. All these selfish kids, they won't wait their turns anymore. Everybody thinks they should be playing more. Isn't this season in college football, I think we all admit, some kids are delusional and transfer, and it's a dumb thing. But isn't this season proving the upside, right? I mean, remind us, Joe Burrow was stuck elsewhere yep. and Justin yep. Fields was stuck elsewhere and Jalen Hurts was stuck elsewhere and now these guys are leading uh three of the top five teams in college football yeah and, and listen you're you're starting quarterback in Miami you're starting quarterback at Washington you're starting quarterback at all these places and and here's the thing I have interviewed every single one of these kids at some point or another I've interviewed most of them this year they're all good kids you know, Justin Fields sat there and looked at me when I went up to Ohio State a couple of weeks ago, and he goes, this was a business decision. And I said, well, you said that before, his transfer from Georgia to Ohio State. And I said, well, you said that before. I said, do you regret because you caught some flack for that? He goes, no, because he said anyone who doesn't realize that doesn't actually know what's going on. And so then my follow-up question was, well, okay, it was a business decision, and this is a business transaction, but are you having a good time? He goes, look at me. Do you not think I'm happy right now? And I talked to Joe Burrow about Justin Fields, and I, I talked to Jalen Hurts about all those other guys, and there's kind of a club, and they all know each other because they all went to these camps together. They were recruited at the same time, and they all have made the comment, you know, because we've transferred, other guys have gotten to play. I mean, we're, we're, we are watching a, a college football season where Justin Fields and Jake Fromm both get to play, and where Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungvaloa both get to play. And so – I don't have a problem with that. And, and, and also, 
I also don't have a problem with it because it's power to the players. Yeah. And everybody beats, you know, beats themselves in the chest on what this pay-for-play thing and likeness and all that. That's fine. But listen, the USA Today college you know, coach salary list just came out this week. And every time I look at it, all I can think is I have zero problem with some power being transferred to the student-athletes. And, you know, if they transfer somewhere and it goes well, fantastic. You know, it's it, this is the post-Russell Wilson age that we're living in. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's not a bad thing. And interestingly, you know, Russell with his success at Wisconsin, of course, Dave Doran's two success stories, remember. Jacoby Brissett was a Florida transfer. Ryan Finley yeah. at the quarterback position yeah. was the Boise State transfer. So not all transfers are bad. One more thing on LSU since they're in the spotlight game uh, against number nine Auburn this weekend. A lot of folks, if they're more casual fans, I mean, you probably know the ins and outs, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to ask this question. I mean, Joe Burrow was at LSU last year, right? Like, he threw for a lot of yards, and they finished yep. ranked in the national top ten, and they had a nice win over uh, UCF in the Fiesta Bowl. But yet, man, th his numbers are just astronomical now. Do you have a sense of what has changed? Is it Joe Burrow being a much better version of himself? Is it play calling? Is it supporting cast? What's going on there? Because he's gone from good to maybe the Heisman front runner. Yeah, and it's all of the above. And, and you know, uh, Ed Ogeron, it's really he, Ed Ogeron, the head coach at LSU, fascinates me because this is a guy who was the head coach at Ole Miss years ago, did a terrible job, recruited well, couldn't coach. You know, he was the interim head coach at USC, and same problem. And the problem that he had, and he has admitted this to me multiple times, he wouldn't get out of the way, which was Les Miles' problem. When he was the head coach at LSU, they would try to install some imagination on offense, and he would say, no, we have to announce our presence with authority. We're going to run the football. And it would drive everybody crazy because they had all these – the same wide receivers were on the roster. They just didn't have anyone to get them the ball, and a coach that wouldn't do it. But Ed Ogeron went down to the Superdome, and he got Joe Brady, a quarterback guru, an offensive guru, and installed him, brought him in, you know, as an offensive coach. And the connection between Burrow and Joe Brady is phenomenal. And, and listen, you're right, the numbers were great last year, but they were still trying to figure it out. I talked to Justin Jefferson, wide receiver at LSU, about this, and he said last year, he said, we were just learning how to run routes because before we'd just been run blockers. He goes, now we're running an offense. And so, yeah, it's it's everyone's more comfortable and there's confidence there. And listen, he's put these numbers up against two schools who claim to be DBU, yeah. who claim to be defensive, you know, Texas and Florida both. And uh, and so it's it's pretty amazing. This, this will be the toughest defensive front that he's faced. Uh, as good as Florida is up front and Texas is up front, this group at Auburn, uh, I mean, Derek Brown in particular, but this group at Auburn's probably got three future NFL guys in that front four, probably all four. And so uh, the question is, can they make him uncomfortable? But it doesn't take many plays for him to uh, to punish them. And, and so I think LSU probably going to win. Ryan McGee, ESPN.com, senior writer. Find his work on motorsports, including NASCAR, of course, college football, and other things on Twitter. Again, he is at ESPN McGee. I'm going to violate one of my own rules with this question to you. Uh -huh. I, I'm, a, I'm a guest a lot, and I don't – I don't like going too, too far down hypothetical lane because it, it starts to get ridiculous, you know, like with our final four, what if this one lost resume versus what if this one lost resume. But I want to ask you a, a somewhat similar question because App State is here in our backyard and they haven't lost. 
And the question I'm getting from them, this is just for fun. I'm not going to, like, pin you down a month from now because it is a big hypothetical. The question comes out this way sometimes among Mountaineers fans. If you're outside the Power Five, I mean, there might be an exception someday, but basically your biggest dream is that you're going to be in the New Year's Bowl game as that number one from the group of five. And the way I get the question is, if App State goes all the way to 13-0, and you know, that means they would have gone to Chapel Hill and beaten the Heels, gone to Columbia, and that's still to come, but and beaten the Gamecocks. Could you be the 13-0 and Sunbelt champion with those ACC and SEC victories and somehow not be the best team from the group of five? And the reason they ask, Ryan, is that, you know, Cincinnati of the American is 6-1, and and SMU playing tonight on ESPN is 7-0 and right now. Um what do you think when you hear such things, even though it's not, like, central to the national conversation? Well, you need help um, if you're out of state. And they are still relatively new to the FBS level. And that's not going to help them uh, when that committee gets in a room and decides. And uh, what is going to help them is that fan base. And what is really going to help them is the fact that South Carolina beat Georgia at Georgia. Yeah. And they need for, they need for Georgia to keep winning. And they really could have used North Carolina to have knocked off Clemson. I mean, right. that, that's the kind of help they're going to need because when the selection committee sits in that room, and it, it, I've done a couple of these mock selection committee exercises, and you're looking at the computer screen and you just yell, computer, uh, give me the four teams. And there's a guy in the back of the room that throws up the four resumes and it shows you common opponents and it shows you it's not an official strength of schedule measurement, but that's what it is. And then it becomes reputation. It just does. And so – Listen, I made a lot of people angry. I spoke at Appalachian State's graduation, I think, 10 years ago, and the Board of Trustees was voting the next day yeah. on whether or not to make the move up. And I asked the chancellor that day. We're sitting there with our robes uh, backstage, and I go, so what's the plan? I go, because you got to have a plan. Because I'm a big proponent of if you are if you are winning you know, FCS championships, that's a pretty good life. And I said, because right now the best you're ever going to do is the GMAC Bowl. That's just how it is. And there wasn't a plan, but there was a lot of enthusiasm for it. And, and so this is the next step, and, uh, and this is the best they're ever going to do. And so selfishly, uh, as a North Carolinian and someone who has spent a lot of time in Boone, I'd love to see it. But, uh, but they're going to absolutely need some help. They need SMU to lose. I'll just say that. Yeah, and of course they need to beat South Carolina at South Carolina. No, no, well, and, that, yeah. and that's the big one. But, 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 but that resume, if they have those two wins, uh, that resume is going to be awful hard to top uh, with these other folks, but but they are they absolutely need as much help as they can yeah. possibly get. And uh, you know, I'm you know I don't root for teams, but that wouldn't hurt my feelings to see that. <laughs> Ryan McGee of ESPN, the Marty and McGee Show, SEC Network and ESPN Radio on Twitter. He's at ESPN McGee. Get back to the treadmill, man. Thanks for the help. Yeah, I'm going to the emergency room is where I'm going. Hey, Saturday morning. Hey, Saturday morning at 8 a.m. They're letting Marty and I do like a full hour on the air. So, nice. Uh, from, from LSU. So um, that might be – hopefully we won't be fired, but, uh, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> All right, bud. Thanks for dropping by. And for those wondering, just to paint the bigger picture, Cincinnati is 6-1 and one and a pretty darn good team in the American. SMU is 7-0. and oh. I'm convinced SMU is going to lose. They are not going to be an undefeated team. What's the hypothetical that's most interesting to me is if App State somehow beats the Gamecocks in Columbia. And don't laugh. Most of you didn't think they'd beat the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. Most of you outside App State Nation, of course. If they're 13-0 in the champion of the Sun Belt and you have that SEC win and that ACC win, 
would a again these are hypotheticals but would like a 12 and 1 Boise State Mountain West champion get the nod anyway would a 12 and 1 American Athletic Conference champion whether it's Cincinnati SMU or somebody else that would that would break my inner app state heart now if you go 12 and 1 and there would be no embarrassment to lose to South Carolina and Columbia and none of this is easy, by the way. I mean, App State still has other games, even in conference, that are no pushovers. And if you get to the Sun Belt title game, that's not a pushover either. It might be Louisiana again. They had a fairly close game in the regular season. But 13-0 would be 13-0. And we all know that the college football playoff puts a roadblock up, and all those one-loss Power 5 teams are going to get in before any 13-0 group of five team. But the New Year's Bowl prize that is waiting out there it would be the greatest fbs level accomplishment in the history of app state football now of course asterisk they spent most of their lives at the fcs level and won three national titles there but since their jump not long ago that would be the cherry on top getting a new year's day bowl game i mean think of unc nc state duke carolina i mean those football histories right wake forest etc ecu a New Year's Day bowl game is a pretty big deal, even by their standards, much less FBS newcomer App State standards. A 12-1 American champion or a 12-1 Mountain West champion, why would they even, if you don't follow this stuff, why would they even, you know, 13-0 sounds better than 12-1. Well, the American and the Mountain West are better leagues overall than the Sun Belt. The comeback to that is you can't do more than undefeated against your Sun Belt. And you ask people to go out of their league and play tough teams. Well, they did. Beat the heels in Chapel Hill. Have the Gamecocks coming up in Columbia. 13-0 against somebody else with a loss. Again, SMU hasn't lost yet. I don't know if they'll lose at Houston tonight, but the loss is coming for the Mustangs. I'm not sure the loss is coming for the Mountaineers unless it happens in Columbia, South Carolina. Ian Eagle on the NBA and the NFL later this hour. David Cutcliffe live in 40 minutes on life, sports, football, his Blue Devils, and the rivalry matchup on Saturday afternoon against the Tar Heels. Steve Malik will drop by. He runs the North Carolina Courage women's team, which is seeking a back-to-back in NWSL championships. Sunday afternoon right here in Cary at Wake Med Soccer Park. Steve is also part of the crew that's trying to bring Major League Soccer to, in his case, the capital city of Raleigh. We'll get an update on that picture as well. 1-800-849-2761. Question of the day for college football fans. What is the biggest national story on the college gridiron so far this season? To me, it is Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers, who are in the spotlight. Number two Tigers hosting number nine Auburn on Saturday afternoon. You can jump in on the World Series, the NFL, the NHL were the other headlines of the day. How did the NBA rookies that we know best perform in their first NBA games? I'll give you a quick update on that as we come back to your calls. 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. The head devil, David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to, to just do it right. You know, all the fans are always going to defend their programs, and they should. Sometimes we all make somebody in another program mad or angry, but you guys are very fair to everybody. The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Man, there's a lot going on in the sports world. 
Vernon in Hoboken, North Carolina. He's been a longtime listener. He wants in on college football. Darren, you've never been a part of a show longer than a three-hour-a-day show, have you? No. All right. I was for a little while in my career. I was in drive time for a while, and we had a chance to go statewide. Uh, long story short is we could be basically in every important city in the state of North Carolina if I went noon to three. And we would be in the majority of them, but not quite as many if I'd stuck in drive time. And they gave me the choice. And I said, man, and remember, my kids were smaller. So I was like, man, I get to be super dad again. I could be a soccer coach more often. I'm not getting home as late at night. And I get to be in every major city in North Carolina, something that had never been done in the history of this state in sports radio. I was all about what we have now. Well, back when the show was longer, there'd be times of the year where it'd be like, what the heck am I going to do for, with four hours? <laughs> when you look at the headlines right now, as we come to your calls, I gave you my two cents on the Nationals stunning the Astros by winning both in Houston. We have the Canes returning to the ice tonight. We have the NBA regular season underway. We have college football stories near and afar. We have the NFL entering week eight. We have Washington at Minnesota on TV tonight on the NFL side. Undefeated SMU with App State fans watching them at Houston tonight in the college Thursday night special. You have Tiger Woods leading a PGA Tour golf tournament as we speak. You have Joe Girardi being named as the manager of the Phillies. It's not official yet, but it's happening. You're going to have to tell me how happy or sad I should be there. I liked him. A lot better than I like the idea of Buck Showalter or Dusty Baker. Yeah, I, I am I right like, about that? I like that you liked him better than those two okay. options. I'll put it that way. Connor McGregor announces he's returning to the Octagon. Jim Harbaugh, Michigan coach, is writing letters to recruits and their families and current Michigan players' families because he felt the need to debunk stories about him reaching out to NFL teams to see if they want him back at that level. Remember, he was very successful with the San Francisco 49ers because of the heat he's getting as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. He denies all of that. So he's out there writing those letters. Is there a busier time? Like, I don't. I think we could do five hours a day. So I'm not suggesting that for the record. But I think we could do five <laughs> hours a day in what? September, October, and November especially. No? Yeah. yeah those without three months. a doubt. And then college basketball kicks I mean, in. Right. One thing I promised, and then your calls. Vernon and Hobucken is next. You can join us at 1-800-849-2761. World Series, NFL, college football. The Canes are back on the ice, and the NBA thing I promised. It's weird, but of the guys that we're following into their rookie year in the NBA, not everybody has played, by the way. There's a few NBA teams that have not yet played. There are several who are being held out for physical reasons. Everybody knows about Zion Williamson, six to eight weeks, knee surgery, et cetera. So the number one overall pick of New Orleans is going to have to wait a while to make his debut. I didn't even know until I looked this up just because I was getting a lot of emails asking about, well, we like your updates about Zion, but, you know, how about some other dudes, right? So did you know that Cam Johnson, lottery pick of the Phoenix Suns, did not play because of a calf injury? Nasir Little of UNC. Blazers did not play because of an ankle injury. Cam Reddish hasn't played for the Atlanta Hawks yet, another lottery pick, but that's because the Hawks don't play their first game until tonight. So another former Duke star you can watch 
Uh, some people's pick for the NBA Rookie of the Year. Cam Reddish makes his Hawks debut tonight. Zion, you all know the story. You might not know he led the NBA rookies in preseason scoring with 23 points per game and basically tore it up in a way that some were skeptical about. You know who the number two scorer was among NBA rookies in the preseason? Kobe White of UNC. 19 points per game for the Chicago Bulls. We actually got an eyeful of him in Charlotte last night. Now, the Hornets beat the Bulls. Kobe White came off the bench as yet another lottery pick from our backyard. 17 points and seven assists off the bench. I'm not worried about Kobe White's transition to the next level at all. Some of these other guys, it'll be interesting to see. Even Cam Reddish, even Nasir Little, uh, huge talents that we co saw come through the triangle part of North Carolina. The third leading scorer among NBA rookies in the preseason, yet another guy. Zion, number one, Kobe White, number two. R.J. Barrett of Duke was the third highest rookie scorer in the preseason. He's with the Knicks now. He had 16 points per game during the preseason, again, third best. Nine out of 13 from the field, 21 points, five rebounds, two assists, and two steals. Not, not a bad, the Knicks are horrible, but not a bad debut for R.J. Barrett of Duke. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, do you remember him for Virginia Tech? Fourth leading scorer. ACC, 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 NBA rookies, Zion, Kobe, RJ, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker was number four, 15 points per game during the preseason. He had a nice debut last night, or the other night, for, for uh, New Orleans against Toronto, but he didn't play as much as I thought he would, given 15 points per game in the preseason is pretty good. And one more shout-out, as we also tip our caps to the Hornets, 126-125 was their win over the Bulls last night. They're expected to be horrible. But 2019 lottery pick P.J. Washington, the big guy from Kentucky, how about 9 out of 17 from the field, 7 for 11 from three-point land, 27 points and four boards for this year's lottery pick. Last year's lottery pick, Miles Bridges, looked pretty solid. Eight points, five rebounds, three assists, three blocked shots. They like him as a two-way player. 2018 second-rounder Devontae Graham out of Kansas, but also roots here in our backyard. 23 points and eight assists last night off the bench for the Charlotte Hornets. Seven for nine from the field, six out of seven from three-point range. James Borrego had some hot shooting from his guys last night as the Hornets get off to a 1-0 start after some had projected they had a chance to break the all-time NBA record for losing maybe 18 straight against a tough schedule. Well, 1-0 ends that possibility. The other player shout-out, Chris Clemens of Campbell. Remember, he's only 5'9". He played further down the Division I ladder than most you see in the NBA. But greatest player in Campbell history, of course. Third greatest scorer in NCAA Division I history, even at 5'9", driving in among the trees at the college level. He's with the Houston Rockets. And I haven't seen final word, but I believe he will be on the bench tonight as the Rockets open their season. So shout out to that guy, man. He's been overcoming odds since he was at Millbrook High School in Raleigh all the way through Bowie's Creek. That's a dream coming true tonight, assuming he is on a two-way contract with the Rockets. That means you can be called up at any time. With Gerald Green's injury, I believe he's the guard who's going to take that roster spot. We'll get final confirmation later today. Vernon in Hoboken, in North Carolina. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, David. Uh you were talking about the playoffs and those kind of things. I want to give you a statistic that you may not be aware of. Lay it on the us. American Conference has seven of the top 
36 teams in the coaches' poll. They also have three in the top 25, but no other conference has seven teams, as many as seven teams in the top 36. That's impressive. That's impressive. We're talking about SEC, whoever. So that conference is just brutal. And, yeah, I agree with you. SMU is going to lose just because of the the competition. Yeah, it's a tough enough league. The Mustangs are not going undefeated in that league. I mean, and I, I think right away, Cincinnati's really good at 6-1. and one. SMU is good and, and deserves a lot of respect for 7-0. and oh. We'll see what they do at Houston tonight and later in the season. UCF, of course, hasn't gone away. I mean, they're not as magical as they were the last couple seasons, but they're 5-2 and two, and another one of those teams that signifies the depth of the American Athletic Conference. They're missing what the Power 5 teams have at the very top. Clemson in the ACC, Ohio State in the Big Ten, Oklahoma in the Big 12, Alabama and and LSU in the SEC. Uh, they're, they're missing that juggernaut right now, but in terms of quality depth, I mean, the ACC has a severe lack of depth. Clemson's clearly head and shoulders above everybody. Who's next? I personally would take 6-1 Wake Forest, but I wouldn't argue with you if you took UVA as the best team in the Coastal, as, you know, sort of ACC number two behind the mighty Clemson Tigers. Uh, some believe it's the Pitt Panthers. I it could be any of those three. Maybe you believe somebody else will go on a run. The second best ACC team is a nice team, a good team. Maybe Wake Forest uh, gets to 10 wins, and that would be the second highest win total in school history. That would be an amazing accomplishment for Dave Clawson. But let's say it's Clemson one, maybe Wake Forest ends up second best. This is a league that last year had only two teams in the top 25. It was Clemson, of course, winning it all, and it was only Syracuse. Now, the Orange have crashed back to earth. I mean, they and Georgia Tech are the worst-looking ACC teams. So they've gone from number 15 or whatever they were under Dino Babers last year to completely off the radar. So the year after a lack of depth... There's another lack of depth. It's Wake Forest is in the top 25 right now. So it's Clemson and Wake with maybe UVA and Pitt, maybe if they get on a roll, joining them in the top 25. Meanwhile, the American, again, lacks the juggernaut at the top, but has more depth than uh, certainly the ACC and even some others out there. Vernon, you've been a longtime loyal listeners, lo- listener, so I always appreciate your uh, listenership and your contributions to the program. I have to get to Ian Eagle on the other side. He is one of the great voices of the NFL, one of the great voices of the NBA. Come March Madness, he's one of the great voices of college basketball. From CBS Sports and Westwood One and the Yes Network and the Tennis Channel and more, Ian Eagle next on the David Glenn Show. I believe it is the NBA's turn in the line dance. And I don't think they can dance. I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances. And I'm only a three or a four. The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Still to come, David Cutcliffe of Duke heading into Duke Carolina, the football version. He'll join us live in about 20 minutes. Steve Malik drops by later. Ryan McGee of ESPN in the books on college football. Our next guest could talk 
NFL, NBA, college hoops, tennis, and even other things. He's one of our favorites and one of the great voices of many of the sports we follow. Ian Eagle, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Hey, DG. Great to talk to you, bud. Thanks, man. Right back at you. The TNT folks set some really nice records earlier this week on opening night. Not so much for Pelicans-Raptors without Zion Williamson. But Clippers-Lakers got some history-making good numbers, even against the World Series head-to-head. As a guy who is the voice of the Brooklyn Nets, uh, how do you gauge NBA fans' excitement about a season that seems less predictable on the front end? And I feel like, I don't know, maybe a dozen different teams could win the title uh, in a sport that we're used to maybe only three or four names being on that list. Yeah, first and foremost, that game itself was truly captivating. It just had a playoff feel to it. It's the first game of the season, yet you know there's a turf war going on in L.A. between the Lakers and the Clippers. What the Clippers did during the offseason, what the Lakers did during the offseason, and two teams that believe they have a viable chance of winning a championship. And all of that was exhibited over the course of the four quarters at Staples Center. So not surprised that there was the interest that we saw from viewership in that particular game. I think in general for the NBA, there is that feeling that things are a bit more wide open with Kevin Durant defecting from Golden State and no Clay Thompson. That team is going through a process that they just haven't experienced before in their current form. Eastern Conference, Milwaukee looked like a team that could really ride the wave to maybe an NBA Finals last year. Couldn't do it, needed some more help for Giannis Adentacumpo. He's worked on his game, so there's a curiosity there. Philadelphia, can Joel Embiid stay healthy? Can he be fully engaged during the biggest moments of the season come playoff time? Uh, They don't have a go-to scorer like they had in late-game situations in the form of Jimmy Butler, who's now in Miami. So you've just got a lot of really intriguing questions popping up. I think the NBA has done an incredible job of creating interest during draft time, during free agent time, even during summer league. Now let's see if it carries over into the regular season where day to day to day uh, you have this buildup for certain matchups around the league. For those who missed it last night, new Nets point guard Kyrie Irving put up a 50-burger but uh, the Nets did lose to Minnesota in overtime. The Timberwolves are actually next up for your Charlotte Hornets. We do a game in the NBA every year with our statewide audience where we ask them to pick five teams in the preseason, and we call it a win if one of those five ends up winning the title. It's kind of designed to reflect that in many years it feels like a more predictable league than some other leagues where the depth may go deeper. The closest to a consensus we had, almost everybody had the Clippers in their five. Almost everybody had the Lakers in their five with LeBron and AD together now. And I think almost everybody had the Bucks that you mentioned with Giannis in their top five. After that, man, it was wide open. I, I seriously think more than a dozen teams got votes. Who comes to mind for you? Are you okay with Lakers, Clippers, Bucks? And if so, you know, who comes to mind next, whether they're getting a lot of attention or not at all right now? Yeah, I think I'm in complete agreement that those three teams would be the first three, and you can pick the order. 
After that, I think you still have to at least open your brain up to Houston. I don't know if it's going to work with Westbrook and Harden. I have no idea. But it's a whole lot of firepower. Yeah. And the Nets have the Rockets coming up on, on their schedule. So I started working on, on my preparation for that team. And they're not the deepest group, but they've got a lot of the pieces that you look for. Uh, Eric Gordon has been rock solid and 30 years old, should be in the prime of his career. Uh, they obviously have the star power with Westbrook and Harden, a role player in P.J. Tucker who will do anything it takes to help his team win. Clint Capella, who I don't believe has reached the ceiling. There's still some room there. Capella was a revelation in year three of his career. Now it's year six. So what's the expectation level for a 25-year-old who came in so so raw to the NBA? Uh, Their questions are going to come in depth and whether or not they have enough coming off the bench to get through a regular season in fair shape for playoff seating, and then the same questions are going to pop up. James Harden in crunch time in a key game seven. Can he get it done? Now he's got a little more help in Westbrook, but Westbrook the last few years has been a question mark in those big clutch moments. But if you're just asking me based on talent and talent alone, I do think Houston's a team that, at the very least, you have to keep an eye on to see how they handle and navigate their way through this season. Ian Eagle joining us on the David Glenn Show. We are not yet to the point where we stalk you so that we know your schedule every single week in every sport for each of your employers. So I I don't know if you've had a 49ers game. Uh, I have not. Okay. But as a follower of the NFL, when we see the Patriots in the ranks of the unbeaten, I don't know if we expect it, but we're certainly not surprised. The only other example right now is the 49ers. And, of course, our state's team, the Carolina Panthers, happens to be visiting San Francisco this weekend. Uh, 6-0 and is 6-0, and right? Like, it has to deserve some respect. But when you think of their victims, Buccaneers, Bengals, Steelers, Browns, Rams, but then Washington – what are we to think of this opponent for the Panthers as Carolina tries to win its fifth in a row against the San Francisco team that doesn't look great offensively, but man, defensively, they might be playing as well as anybody not named the Patriots. Yeah, they've been, they've been a lockdown defense, uh, no doubt. I think it speaks to a, a bigger issue in this league, and that's patience, trying to do things the right way, and it's hard. Yeah, you're Miami right now, and you're trying to do it the right way, but you have to hit on some of these picks. You can't whiff in the NFL. You can't have fourth-rounders that are cut after a year. If they're not contributing to your team, that's a problem. That means that something broke down in the process of analyzing your college scouting. John Lynch has done things the right way. Kyle Shanahan has done things the right way. They've talked about changing the culture. They actually did change the culture, and now you're seeing it reveal itself because they believe that they're going to win every Sunday. That's a big step to take in the NFL from being just a team that thinks that they can compete and they belong on the same field as the other team. Now the 49ers actually believe that they can win games week in and week out. You're right. Offensively, it has not been dynamic. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo still trying to bounce back from the injury, but I think they believe in him. And there is a certain command that he has and presence that he brings with him. 
and that can sometimes go a long way as well in your locker room. Defensively, they've just been much better than than anybody anticipated. Uh, I think Carolina is one of those teams that you see in the NFL that there's a big change at the quarterback position, at the leadership position, and sometimes that's all it takes for others to step forward. And to me, they're they're a prime example of that. Cam Newton has taken on so much on his shoulders responsibility-wise over the years and the stress and pressure that comes with that position. And he's asked for a lot of it, too. He he has. When you become the face of a franchise, when you become someone that is involved in as many advertisements as he's been involved in, that means you want it. That means you like it, that you embrace it. Well, the last couple years has not been as enjoyable for him. And the reality is uh, they may have needed a break from Cam, and it's showing every week. Uh, There's something now happening with that team where they have come together and not saying this is how it's going to be. This is it forever. I'm sure this has been a hot topic on your show, DJ. But I, I get it from the outside looking in, and I've seen it before. Sometimes a change can have a profound effect on the entire team. And to me, that's what's happening in Carolina. I'm almost out of time, so we'll make this short, but I'm just dying to know, is advertisements like a Syracuse thing? Is that the legendary Eagle family upbringing? Uh, is there something else going? You know, you know, I'm from Philly. Eh? Yo, the advertisements aren't done yet, you know? <laughs> Where do you, how'd you get advertisements? I like that. I don't know. That's been in my vocabulary for a while. I have no idea right. if it's an actual word, but I sold it as if it was. Yeah, we don't even really need the dictionary or a pronunciation guide. If I and Eagle says it, like that is our guide. So uh, from now on, I'm all ad- I'm all advertisements <laughs> all the time, man. Thanks for dropping Let's by as it. always. <laughs> you got it. Buck. Great talking to you. You too. I and Eagle, CBS Sports, Westwood One, Turner Broadcasting, the Yes Network, the Tennis Channel. And more. Darren, how do you say that word? Darren Vaught, professional broadcaster. How do you say that word for the record? Just to be clear, you're from the mountains of Southwest Virginia. I'm from, yo, Philly. Hey, the advertisements ain't done yet. I had to do a double check because I I wasn't (laughs) sure if he was making mention of the word advertisements. You say it too, right? Advertisements, yeah. I don't know. I I feel like we should defer to Ian Eagle. He says he's, he's he drops a word like a word that fir- I, I'm his, compelled to look up every time he's his on. His first too. name is I A N, and we don't call him Ian, so I don't know what that means. But my instinct <laughs> is to follow him wherever he leads us. David Cutcliffe, we like following him too on life, sports, football, the Blue Devils, and his matchup with the Tar Heels. He starts the second hour. Steve Malik later. Your calls too on the David Glenn Show. I would never be so competitive so childish that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four ties, (laughs) not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. The Duke-Carolina basketball rivalry is world famous. The football rivalry resumes on Saturday. How did David Cutcliffe go from losing 21 of 22, that's Duke records, not his, to winning five of the last seven against the Heels. Coach Cut, next. 
Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome and I loved it. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show.